So tell me what we gonna make that magic. Tell me what we trying to take that cabbage. What we trying to calculate that average. If it ain't to innovate, we might as well scrap it. So tell me what we gonna make that magic. Tell me what we trying to take that cabbage. What we trying to calculate that average. And if it ain't to innovate, we might as well scrap it. Intrinsic to detail embedded in these things. Land of milk. Hi everyone. I'm Melissa Bowie and welcome to Poets Return. This week for our very first episode, we're featuring a local Los Angeles poet who discusses the ins and outs of self-publishing your work and sharing it on social media, which are two huge things a lot of local artists and writers everywhere are looking into doing more of. Kate Strauss writes about a multitude of topics ranging from social anxiety and addiction to body image and learning to love our own voice. Her book of poetry is titled Dash Why, and I was fortunate enough to hear Kate share some of her words in person. All right, we have the lovely Kate Strauss on Poets Return. Hello, Kate. Hello, Melissa. Bowie, excuse me. Oh, both are fine. (laughs) Bowie always, people are always like, what is that? I'm like, yeah, it's my last name. (laughs) It's weird. Um, So Kate is an amazing poet. She publishes her work on Instagram. She's Mm -hmm. self-published. And she's here today to actually show, we're going to share some of her work, talk about her process, and just kind of dive into attacking poetry on not only social media, but just getting out there and sharing your words is yeah. scary, even if it's with one person. Can so, be, can be. It can be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So if you also, just for everyone to know, I like to get this out of the way. Um, so it's Kate Strauss Poetry, K-A-T-E-S-T-R-A-U-S-S-P-O-E-T-R-Y. Exactly. Yes. yes. And now how do you say, is it, da- it's dash Y. Dash Y. Yes. So every chapter in my book um, is like hearty, like heart dash Y, cheeky, like cheek dash Y, shitty shit dash Y. So I didn't actually come up with that. My friend came up with it. She was like, every one of your chapters is like dash Y. You should just call it dash Y. And nobody gets it. People call it like dashy. It's fine. It, It doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't make any sense, but like. Hey, you know, it's like when people say buoy is boogie. I'm like, where'd that G come from? <laughs> but that's brilliant. I love that idea. So tell me about how, because your friend, you said, came up with that idea? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love when other people can kind of almost see objectively things in your work that you would yeah. never notice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a really cool experience for her to come up with that. And now I think for my next book, it's going to be like way more straightforward. It's just going to be sobering thoughts, but. A good title right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whenever I publish that. Um, which I would like to not self-publish, but, um, you know, it takes a little more effort. I know. Well, and that's (laughs) one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because self-publishing is something I've considered and I'm, like I said, I'm kind of a chicken about sharing my stuff. And how did that whole process, like, how did you get educated on how to even do that? And how did that go? So I actually, um, finished my poetry book while I was in Italy, very romantic (laughs) and by myself And I was just, like, holed up in my apartment. I, like, didn't see as much of Italy as I probably should have and finished my book. And then I hired this guy from Freelancer.com. and Yeah, (laughs) Freelancer.com. And who is amazing, and I would suggest him to anyone. He really, like, put together my whole book for me and used Illustrator. And I got some people to to, uh, illustrate things and then would send them over to him. And he really put it all together for a really, really small amount of money. And then um, my mom's friend is a self-publisher on Amazon. So she just sat me down and she just took me through, like, step by step. This is what you do. This is how you use CreateSpace, which is Amazon platform. Um, Mm -hmm. This is how you have to format specifically for Amazon. And, yeah, we just, like – 
you know, lots of Googling, you know, figuring out like how to get an ISBN and, you know, how to get your barcode and all that good stuff. You know, there is a lot of technical things that go into it. And I think that intimidates me too, not only the sharing of vulnerability, but then it's like the red tape you have to go yeah. through. It's like, yeah. why couldn't I be in the Hemingway days where I could just wander around and drink and then like throw <laughs> my parchment at some publishing house and be like, it's brilliant, just right. do it. Exactly. <laughs> and I even went through the thing of like, on Amazon, Amazon wouldn't show my poetry book for a while because it was um, adult content. Because oh, it has breasts on the cover and it's like considered erotic poetry, which is ridiculous because there's not one thing about sex in my book. Which just proves the sexualization of a woman's right. body at any yeah, point yeah, yeah. if you're talking about anything. Yeah, because I talk about breasts and I talk about bodies and stomachs and butts and like, I do talk about uh, rape, but you know, like... Not in a sexualized like, way. Like not in like, yeah, exactly. Right. So it was just really interesting like going through that red tape and figuring out how to change how I described my book and you know, what Ugh. people saw from it. So eventually, eventually, like, I, if you search Dash Y Kate Strauss, you can find it on Amazon. But, mm-hmm. See, but that's just, that, which probably is part of one of the reasons why you don't want to go through self-publishing again, because I'm sure you want to be able to... Yeah. It's the same reason why when you have a great artistic idea and you want to write a grant, it's great in theory, but then if you get the grant, they might make you change everything that you initially sure. wanted the grant for. Sure. So I'm glad that you were able to maintain, obviously, most of yeah. the integrity of what you wanted, but having to change even the description can feel intrusive when you're... Yeah, it was really interesting. <laughs> it was it was a little it was a little odd. I was really frustrated by Amazon because I have friends who have given this to their this book to their 13 year old daughters, you know, and like I think it's an important book for 13 year old girls Completely. to read. Completely. Um, you know, I think talking about our bodies and talking about sex and vaginas and penises and whatever, <laughs> I think it's really important, and I think. Children should be exposed in a in not a sexualized manner, right. but like should be able to understand. I also think like giving them books of this nature like lets them feel like they can ask questions. And Absolutely gives them a safe space. I mean, right. children are having these thoughts, these questions, these concerns, right. these experiences. Sadly, right. at very young ages, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And the reason people go through so much trauma without ever getting to deal with it is because a lot of the time they don't have a safe platform exactly. to discuss it. So yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's awesome. It's cool. I, I really love also sharing my poetry on Instagram because people then feel really comfortable to share their poetry with me. Yep. And I love that. I absolutely love when people share their poetry with me and they feel comfortable saying like, oh, I struggled with this eating mm-hmm. disorder stuff or I, you know, just like opens up a line of communication that's really, really special and important to me. It's a, Well, and it's such a, it's a dialogue that so many people are thirsting, hungering for to be able to know that somebody else feels this way. Definitely. They're not alone, you know? Yeah. So, so well, on that note, I'm going to have Kate share, I'm going to have her share a piece that she wants to first, and if you don't mind reading, you want to read it? Yeah, sure. I love this poem, and I don't care if anyone doesn't like it. (laughs) Uh, I'll be your mistress. I'll be your secret. I'll be the last drop of honey in your glass that you lap up quickly with your finger to taste its sweetness while no one is looking because you told them you don't eat sugar anymore. Well, damn it, Kate. That was That's on your Instagram. That was one of the ones I was going to read. Oh, no! Because <laughs> I love that poem. Yeah. I love it. I love it. that poem, too. Yeah. The description, and, like, no matter who you are in the world, well, this is very subjective, <laughs> but I feel like everyone feels something when they hear those words. Yes. Because it's, a, it's, because for me, it reminds me of a palpable experience, just as I'm sure yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to talk a little bit about what inspired you to write this? Sure. I mean, 
I've been dealing with men since I was young. Uh, we, you know, straight men, because I am, well, I'm not straight, but I date men. And um, I felt for a long time, especially when I came out to LA, that, and we just talked about this before we started, you know, like people are fickle here. I just, I, this book a lot, Dash Y, is a lot about like me not recognizing my worth. And I was such a victim for such a long time. And I was like, well, you don't recognize my worth. So it's your fault. It's on you. It's like, well, I wasn't recognizing my worth. So like, how is somebody else supposed to? So this poem is kind of about like, it's specifically about like a man using me, but I don't even want to say using me because I don't want to put the onus on them. Like it's, that's my choice if I get myself in one of those situations. But it's about a man being in my life and not, yeah, not respecting or like giving me the worth that I deserve. Not appreciating me. Not appreciating me. Yeah. And like taking what they want and then discarding the rest. Right. But again, I feel I'm not in that victim place that I was when I wrote that poem. I mean, this, it's really interesting going back and reading the poems from Dash Y because I'm very, very different. Which is a, it's a crazy, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yes. Yes. Kate and I were just talking about this also before we started that I, we both have had relationships and that we've gotten out of and whatnot, but I wrote a book of poetry just all about my last relationship because I was Mm -hmm. like, I need to just put it somewhere and put it all into something. And even now when I go back and read it, I'm like, oh, I'm not, it's it's nice to know I'm not there anymore. It's a great way to journal, I think. It is. It's a beautiful way to like see your experience and kind of track how you were feeling. And yeah, I've written, it's interesting, especially because I share on Instagram, like I really try hard to be respectful of people and to not, like my most recent relationship, I don't think I would post any of the poetry from that quite yet because I just don't think it's very kind. Well, and it's like you don't want to you don't want to get like Taylor Swift syndrome where you're just like <laughs> you know calling out every your last right. bruise and bump. And yeah, everything exactly. It. But I think and that's very I think that's a very mature thing as a writer too, and that's something to know that you're not being the victim. Is to right. know like this is about expressing this feeling, expressing this experience. And hoping that somebody else can read it that might still be there yeah. and know, okay, maybe I need to assess or I need right. to pause or I need to know my worth or, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's a very hard thing to do. People, I mean, it's, loving yourself is not easy. Mm-mm. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. But it's definitely something you, ha- I, I, I'll speak for myself, have to work at. It's not, it doesn't come naturally to me. I mean, my natural state is like, Kate, you are bad. Same. You are a, you're a bad girl mm-hmm. and not like a cool bad girl. Right. Like, like just bad. Just. Yeah. So I work really hard on accepting myself and loving myself and, and I do that through poetry too, you know, like yeah. I'll write poems, I'll write like love letters to myself and just Ooh, like I love that. write beautiful things about myself and yeah, it's changed a lot since this, I wrote, I published this two years ago, which is crazy to me. Gosh, yeah. I know. Two I- years. Because I feel like even I was talking to Heather about this, and I can't yeah. believe it's been two years. So yeah. Like, you're telling me. My yeah. friend is self-publishing. And I was yeah. like, what? That's so cool. I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, really crazy. I need to take that advice about the love letters to yourself, because that's that sounds like actually a really great idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was another... There's a one... There's one of these that I really... Yes. Okay. So this poem of Kate's, I really like because of several reasons. One of which, I'm that weird pirate where I love when anyone uses, like, nautical terminology or like anything um but I also love it because as we were speaking about women with their bodies like respecting our bodies knowing how to treat our bodies Mm -hmm. how other people treat our bodies like it's it's a very difficult relationship Mm -hmm. and it's a tumultuous relationship and like you said you have to work at it you have to work at loving your 
all of ourselves. And so I'm just going to read this. It starts with a question, which I also love. We're meant to cherish our bodies? I struggle with that. The phrase, your vessel, confuses me. My vessel? The one that can't choose which foods it's allergic to? The one that breaks out in acne that's red and swollen, that carries more weight than it ought to? That swells, that stings, that knives and glitches? Sometimes it's a body that lets the mind hurt it. Let's people ravage it, destroy it. My vessel feels like more of a burden than something that carries me. Ugh. Mm. You know, because I feel like that's so, that's something that, I mean, men deal with this too. Everyone deals with mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. It's just carrying the weight of the physical, the mental, the emotional, the past, the present, the future. It's just like, sometimes I always say this to people. I go, sometimes I feel like I'm just like this big walking dumpster. Hmm. You know, you're supposed to receive the vessel, and I love that term because it's. But it's like sometimes I just feel like I just this accumulation of garbage at times. It's like realizing, <laughs> no, our experiences yeah. are what they are, and right. we're not perfect, and our imperfections yeah. can be daunting. But yeah, I just I love the questioning too because yeah. I feel like that's that conversation that we have with ourselves. Right. It's interesting that you said that. I was just, I was thinking when you said the nautical thing, I could make probably like a collection of poems of nautical stuff because I have an X marks the spot poem. Mm -hmm. I have a, like a coral reef part of a poem and I have a starfish poem and I have, well, you like have, have one, few, you have a lot of elemental yeah. descriptions. Yeah. You have a, you use the elements very strongly mm -hmm. yeah. in your descriptiveness. Um, yeah. well, cause same, I'm, I got, it's to a point now where in bird brain, I'm like, maybe I need to split these up because like half hmm. of these poems are like all about the ocean. But I think, I don't know about you, but there's something for me at least that when I can't describe an emotion, like it feels like it's grander than I am. There's something freeing about like going to definitely. the elements. Yeah, definitely. It's like, oh, I agree. It's too big. Yeah. It's, I like, I like writing about bodies and my experience with bodies and and you do it very strong I mean even in your description on in Instagram Kate's description writer I can't stop writing about bodies and mushy stuff <laughs> which I absolutely love because I think that that's also a very astute description of I feel like so often we we are self-deprecating too it's mm -hmm. like a description of the poet's journey trying to not take ourselves too seriously right right because at that point you're like I don't want people to be like I'm a poet I'm gonna tell you about my dark that is one of the things, like, I don't like about poetry is that, or poet, or people's perception of poetry is yes. that, like, you have to be, like, a drunk who hates themselves and hates the world. Right. And it's so not true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't drink, and, um, I mean, I was drinking when I wrote this book, but I don't drink anymore, and I haven't for two years, and, like, I, my, I was so scared when I stopped drinking. I was like, I'm not going to be able to write. I'm not going to be able to, like, have things flow. Like, what am I going to do? I wrote so many poems about getting sober. And I wrote so much about, like, all the emotions that came up, actually, because I stopped drinking as mm -hmm. opposed to... You were finally feeling right, all of it. Right, I was finally it. feeling it. Yeah. Oh, so there was so... There's so much in there. And now I can, like, process and, like, actually... You know, I don't write the same poem seven times over in different ways. Because... That's yeah. so... Oh. Yeah. That's pretty... Poignant. Yeah, because now I can like process things and actually deal with shit and like, I, 
you know, finish a story instead of right. just keep starting the same right. story. Exactly. Well, it's like Bukowski, you know, this is like Charles Bukowski. That's like an issue. I kind of, I struggle with him. I love him. I don't really like him. I struggle with him. <laughs> well, it's like a love hate because I think he like reminds me of like the bad side of me, like the, the mm. part of me that the demon that I want to feed, you know, when it's like, be careful that quote, like be careful in casting out your demons, you cast out the best thing that's in you, mm. which I get, but it's also like, you don't need to feed this monster I to agree. be inspired. I agree. And that's, which is why I also really admire you for getting sober, which is amazing. Two years sober, that's freaking huge, especially in Los Angeles, where it feels like you need a drink to talk to some people. Um, yeah, but people ask me that often. They're like, "How do you talk to people?" Like, well, but it's and I'm sure it's not that it's gotten easier. But do you feel like you've gotten to a place where just because you're more comfortable with your own? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. It doesn't bother me at all to just. It's really freeing to do a lot of the things that I thought I couldn't do sober. You know, it's freeing to, like, dance sober. It's freeing to, like, have deep, you know, conversations sober. And you remember them. And it's really freeing to, like, do all this stuff, like, stand up in front of crowds and do stupid things. And, like, think that you could never do those because you had to have a drink in you to do them. And, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to. It's really freeing. Yeah. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. Well, and I think that that's another thing I've noticed in your poetry is that talking about addiction, you you know, talking mm-hmm. about eating disorders, mm-hmm. addiction, the trauma of sexual assault, all of mm-hmm. these things are things that so many people deal with and are afraid to put out there. Yeah. Because, you know, with the internet, you never know if someone's going to troll you or be just, you know, and it's like silly to fear that, but it's like that eight-year-old in all of us that's like, is someone going to like think I'm stupid or like be mean sure. to me? And so... Sure. I, it's, it's hard. It's hard. So that's one of those things that I think social media can be helpful though, because it's a platform to where you're like, I'm just going to get out there. Yeah, I agree. Do you have a, another poem that you'd like to sure. have her share a couple more poems? I'm slowly learning how to voice my needs, air them out. But I don't think my needs are a blowing sheet in the breeze hung up after washing. I think my needs are thick, old, Persian dusty rugs that need to be hit against a metal fence again and again and again, until the ground around is dusty and the rug is worn, but clean. Threads bare, dust cleared, needs met. I love that. Yeah, I love that one too. Will you read before you get to the, will you actually just read it one more time? Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm slowly learning how to voice my needs, air them out. But I don't think my needs are a blowing sheet in the breeze hung up after washing. I think my needs are thick, old, Persian dusty rugs that need to be hit against a metal fence again and again and again until the ground around is dusty and the rug is worn but clean. Threads bare, dust cleared, needs met. Oh, I love that. (laughs) See, that I think would be a really great poem to visualize. Yeah, it would. Because it's simple. That would be. It could literally just be someone hanging out and then, and I love the idea of the rugs and it's the metal fence too. Yeah. It's crucial. Yeah. Cause it's like that. It's an, it's not a clean sound mm-hmm. either. It's messy and it's dusty, but I love the like threads bare needs met. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because like a lot of times, and I talk about this also a lot in a lot of my poems is like that idea of femininity and mm-hmm. grace and womanhood. And you know, I am not. I would not consider myself, I have a lot of masculine energy. And I don't mean like I'm very male-like. I just have a lot of masculine energy. Which is a misconception that people right. don't understand. You know, yin-yang, yeah. dark, white, whatever, right. dark, light, whatever. Like, there's, 
in my opinion, like two overbearing forces, good, evil, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. just masculine, feminine, we happen to also sometimes attach those to our sex, which I don't think are is uh, correct. Yes. Um, but I have a lot of masculine energy, and so sometimes I felt for a long time not very feminine, and, and in that I felt that my needs weren't very feminine because I needed more, and I wanted more, and I... It was not a blowing sheet. Like, it wasn't, like, a pretty little, like, oh, I just need, like, a hug and, like, some love. And, like, you know, I was, like, no. I need some deep, intense emotional intimacy. And I need to be seen. And I yes. need to be heard. And I'm and not. It's not always going to be clean and right. easy and exactly. pretty and Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's, like. We associate all these terms with, like, men, like, grit and, Mm -hmm. like, even stuff like strength and bravery. Those words, even now, bring up, you know, pictures of patriot and, like, stupid crap like that. And we're getting to a point where it's not so much, but I do think, especially in the Western world, there's this idea where being a woman with a strong masculine energy is seen as an aggressive or a negative Mm -hmm. or, like, you're too much Mm -hmm. or you're, which, in the professional world, you're a bitch. Right. Um, and it's really just knowing what you want and being able to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also a great thing in your poetry that I think would be awesome for visualization is I feel like the images are so specific and clear that, like, the association between a sheet blowing in the wind as opposed to a, an old, dirty Persian rug against a metal fence. Yeah. You know, that's, like, that's clear. That's just so clear to me. And I think that's one of the things I love about poetry Sometimes it takes so little words, you can say like three things, yeah. and it's like, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. I know exactly what that is. So it's it's funny because, and I don't actually own this book, but I don't know, do you do you own Milk and Honey by Ruth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I love her writing. I think it's, and I think that's one of those things where a couple of years ago I stumbled, or whenever she got published, she was, I think, published in 2016. Yeah. And I think it was two or three years ago that I stumbled upon her book in Barnes and Noble and was not in a good place (laughs) and opened it and was reading, you know, and her poems are, they're also, I think, very much about the body and a woman's body. And and she talks about these different, because Milk and Honey, if I remember, there's chapters that are based on like different struggles, Mm -hmm. kind of, like Mm -hmm. it goes through. And at that time I was really working on Pick Your Poison, which was one of my books and it was going through different chapters of struggles. But her writing had, like, this lightness and this hope in it, Mm -hmm. this beauty. Mm -hmm. It does. And instead of, at that time, I wasn't able to enjoy it. I was like, well, this is, (laughs) why needs more darkness? Like, this isn't, no. Yeah. And I rejected it because I was, I'm sure, jealous and just wasn't prepared to accept hope, I think, also in in writing. And so I revisited her work, like, probably six weeks ago, and I, I was like, oh, this is delightful. This is yeah. really touching and moving. Mm-hmm. And there's so much of a journey that happens in such a short amount of time in those poems, you know? And for me, I was like, it made me hopeful because it also mm-hmm. kind of like you were just talking about, you don't need to be hitting yourself over head, over the head with a bottle of Jack Daniels right. and like right. breathing fire to be a poet. <laughs> and so it's more, and especially like female poets, I feel like the more female poets that I read, I'm like, there is this such a bravery and such a perseverance in the female spirit that you get. It's almost impossible not to have that hope because it's like at the end of the day, you carry on. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You carry on and why not like love yourself and see the mm-hmm. beauty of the carrying on instead of just the struggle. I agree. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, and I think reading your poetry too, because I feel like even though you have such raw vulnerability, there is a hope, there is that beauty, and there is that light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So, yeah. The, the moral of the story is, kids, you don't have to be depressed to write. <laughs> you don't. You really don't. You can be happy. It's funny, my dad... Um, <laughs> My dad also writes poetry, and I love his poetry. It's really, it's always very sweet. And he once said to me that my poetry was, like, too angry. Mm. And, like, why can't it be happier? And I wanted to just, like, slap him across the face. Mm -hmm. And I did write a poem about that, like, how my poetry, like, is an anchor for some people to be able to express their emotions and feel their feelings. But I did take it a little bit to heart, you know. Yeah. Because his thing was like, you're an example for young women or whatever it was. Um, I think that's what he said. And I wanted to be like, but I want to be an example that like you can be vulnerable and imperfect and, you know, write about your emotions and have feelings and you're not, you're not being overly sensitive right. or you're not being too like, oh, stop acting like such a girl. Like stop crying like a being girl. So dramatic. Stop being so dramatic. I mean, I've been told my whole life that I'm overdramatic. Yeah. I mean, my mom used to call me like melodramatic Kate. Like that was her name for me. And so like I just, my whole life was told like, don't be so sensitive. Don't be so sensitive. Stop crying. And so like poetry is a great way for me to be able to like work through that stuff and still feel it and show people that like it's okay. Right. It's okay to feel and cry and get angry and – I mean, as long as, like, you know, I like to say that feelings aren't facts. Yeah, I, don't, I like that. Yeah. As long as, like, you can still take action that are, that isn't based off of your feelings. You know, you can still take different actions based off your feelings. That's so true. Well, and I think that that's when you, you can, like we were talking about earlier, when you can use it as a journaling tool to kind mm -hmm. of be able to look back and go, oh, I was so mad. I was mm -hmm. so spiteful. I was so jealous or whatever it might be. Which, again, it's we judge ourselves for these quote-unquote negative emotions, but they're there. Mm -hmm. We all have moments where we're jealous. We all yeah. have moments where we're afraid. And being able to express that and then go back and, and not judge ourselves, but just be like, yeah, okay, that's where I was. That was legit, but it's it doesn't define how I proceeded exactly. with my life. And, like, obviously you aren't in that place anymore because everything passes, everything. the good and the bad. Completely. So it's interesting to go back and be like, you know, at least for me when I'm in anger or hurt or fear – my immediate thought is like, I'm going to be in this place forever. Yep. I'm going to be here forever. I'm never going to feel this not my this. Life this now. is Yeah, this is who I am now. I am now an angry person who just like wants to rage on everybody. Um, and it always passes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we jump into another poem. Yes. When, so at what point, how old were you if you remember if it was a specific time or it's just always been something, because I know you talked about you, you've been a writer for a long time. Yeah. But when did you, when did poetry kind of, did you ever have a moment where you were like, this, I could actually do this. Like I could actually really express myself in this medium. So I really only actually, so I've always wanted to be a writer, but I had a really shitty experience in high school, um, with a teacher oh, man. and, um, he really broke me. And I actually was writing, I'm writing a book, like a, a memoir type book a collection of funny essays called The Girl Who Didn't Know Anything. And in one of the chapters I, is called The Girl Who Didn't Know How to Write. And I, like, revisit this. Can I tell this story really quickly? Oh, I don't, don't want to like, take up too much time. No, oh, my gosh. Um, so in high school I had this teacher, Mr. Crow, whatever. I didn't care that I'm saying his name because he was horrible and he was extremely misogynistic and he – I would get ill going to his class. My oh, friends and I would gosh. get physically ill. And, um, and what grade were you in high school? I was in 11th grade. Ooh. 
10th and 11th. And um, he told me I wasn't smart enough to take the AP exams. And then I took them the next year and got fives on both. But like, that's not the point. The point is that I wrote this really long research paper about depression and, you know, misdiagnosis or overdiagnosis, which I don't actually agree with that anymore. But at that time, I thought that was the case. And I wrote this whole research paper. And he like took me aside after class and was like, Kate, this is really good. And I was like, Oh, I was very surprised that he was saying that. He was like, I don't believe you wrote it. It's too good. It's too good for you to have written. And it really broke me. And he was like, I'm just going to give you a C because I can't, I can't say you wrote this. And yeah, so I went back when I was writing that, that chapter in that, in the book that I'm writing, I was like, let me see if I can find this essay. And I found it. I found the research paper and I started reading it. And I just started to ball because it is the exact same voice that I have today. It is written in the exact same voice. Like I could have written that research paper yesterday. It sounds exactly like me and it's totally me. So that actually like opened me up and I was like, oh, I can be a writer. And um, Mr. Crow eat crow. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> God, he was a scary man. And, and I just also want to bring that up because I know so many people have like blocks, people who are blocks, creative blocks in their life. Okay. And like what I have learned especially from The Artist's Way. I don't know if you've done it, but it's a wonderful book by Julia Cameron. I suggest every single writer does it, an artist. But she talks about how a lot of people who are like that in our lives, a lot of teachers especially, happen to be blocked creatives themselves, mm. and they take out their frustration and anger. And it's like the drama teacher that is mean to the exactly. girl that gets the lead because she didn't get to be yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. Oof. Yeah, which is so, a huge, you know, it's a huge problem because that's that can stop someone in their tracks. It can. If you hadn't overcome that, yeah. if you hadn't kept going, who knows if you would have yeah. ever. And it did stop me for a while. I yeah. mean, when I was in college, I, like, would have loved to go to college for something writing-related, and I didn't. I went for acting, and, um, you know, every time I wrote an essay, I would second-guess myself, and I wouldn't think it was good. But anyway, once I wrote that chapter in that book, I was like, oh, my God, and I just started opening up and writing all the time, and so then I started really writing poetry, and I'd always, like, dabbled in songwriting and I have like all those like funny songs you wrote when you're 14 yeah, yeah, which are yeah. so wonderful and rich and beautiful and I love them um I love 14 year old Kate's mind and um I feel so bad for her um, oh, so much compassion so much compassion so much empathy and yeah sympathy yeah yeah and so um I just started writing again and that was like four years ago wow yeah was it like opening Three, a floodgate? Yeah, it was. Like it just, yeah. I just like nonstop. It's also, I broke up with my boyfriend at that time who I'd like moved out to Los Angeles with and was like, I'm going to marry this man. And then like, you know, didn't right. obviously. Right. Plans changed. <laughs> yeah. Things changed. And yes. I wrote a lot about that. And um, that, that poetry helped me so much through that breakup. I mean, so much. I still, to this day, write poems about him because... It just, yeah. There are those so certain much. people that imprint on you, so mm -hmm. just, they'll always have a spot, and I think that's one of the things that always inspires us. It's like a never-ending fountain of feeling, you know, even if you're moved on from that point in your life, you can remember the potent, mm -hmm. just how potent that feeling mm -hmm. was, and it's like you can draw from that for yeah. forever. Yeah. yeah. It's like a well. It's like a well, exactly. Talking to Kate about this made me think of something. One of my favorite things about talking to writers is learning what their writing ultimately does for them as people. Of course, it's a way to sort of monitor self-growth, and in that way, a lot of writers will tell me that ultimately, writing is extremely therapeutic for them. Which, it always makes me wonder, what do people that aren't writers do for therapy? 
Of course, there's exercise, prayer, meditation, yoga. Sometimes it's taking care of your pet or having a close friend you go to for counsel. Everyone deals with their issues in a variety of ways, but sometimes we need a third party to be able to talk to and sort through it all with. BetterHelp is the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced counselors who can help you with a wide range of issues. We all have depression and anxiety, but sometimes there are things that go even deeper than our day-to-day fears and issues. It's great to have a tool that no matter what hour it is, you can find someone who is willing to talk to you about your problems and help you sort through them with professional licensed and vetted counselors that you can trust. You get the same professionalism and quality you would expect from an in-office counselor, but with the ability to communicate with them when and how you want. It's really easy to get started. You can even get matched to a therapist today by going to betterhelp.com or downloading the app straight to your phone. I don't know about you, but for me, my day-to-day life catches up with me pretty quickly. And as much as I'd like to think I can handle it, write it out, or maybe just vent to a friend, sometimes it's really helpful having someone else to talk to. You deserve to be happy, and BetterHelp.com is the world's largest counseling service, and it's 100% online. Now, back to the good stuff. Well, I'm talking about you getting, you know, changing, having the fear of getting sober and being afraid you weren't going to be able to write. Yeah. When you did start writing about getting sober, I mean, I'm sure there were so many emotions of, in terms of like purging just all the stuff that you had dealt with, but hadn't, like you were saying, you dealt with it in little increments, but weren't really 100%. dealing with it. hundred percent. That's when I really started writing about my breakup and I was like, oh my God, I still miss him. Ugh. Like I still, I still have feelings for him. Like I still love him. And you know, I have a poem about how, like, if you want to always be loved, just be one of my ex-boyfriends, even for a day. You know, and, like, I just... want to hear I, that one. <laughs> you know, that's who I am. And, like, I will always love all of my ex-boyfriends, you know, even if I break up with them just because, you know, I love them. Hey, and that's something, like, not to get all societal here, but the whole society about, well, I'm just going to ghost this person and I'm, yeah. I, they're dead to me. And, I'm like, to be honest, I'm almost jealous of people that can do that. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know... I agree. That will never be me. I, I will always be open to saying, yeah, I still have love for that person. Yeah. They hurt me. Mm-hmm. They wronged me. They ran me over with the truck. But like, yeah. Yeah. This poem, this, this book has a lot about that ex-boyfriend. It has a lot about this guy who I was seeing who had cancer like three God. times and then ghosted me. And we'd like <gasps> been dating for like a year. What the? It was crazy. Fuck? So I thought he died. I thought he died. I have a lot of poems about him and how did you find out that he hadn't died? Can I ask? Um, I was like just searching obituaries all the time and like wondering if his was going to come up. And then months and months later, um, he uh, appeared at the Grove. I saw him at the say, Grove. Did you run into? Oh, yeah. God, you saw him in yeah. person. Yeah, I saw him in person. He would act like everything was fine, and I was like, Oh, jeez, wow. Yeah, it was great. Pretty awful. Hey, it's all good material. I'm going to say, there's some sh- there's shit that I'm like, I couldn't make this up if I tried. Exactly. I could not have falsified this information if I wanted mm-hmm. to. There's great, there's great material there. And also, like, pain is the touchstone of recovery. You know, Ooh, I think yeah. that, I think that the only time I really learned and really grown is through painful events. Absolutely. And I think people are so afraid to feel. Mm-hmm. People are so afraid to feel pain. And it sucks and suffering sucks and struggle sucks. But I also think it, it really does teach you how to in, in feel the joy more and 100%. love yourself. Cause I mean, you're like, you're yeah. like I could make it. I made it through that. Bring it on. I mean, you can't have love without fear. 
I mean, this is just going to get super spiritual, but there's this great book called Conversations with God and by um, Neil, I was going to say Diamond, but that's definitely not his name. And Neil Donald Walsh, I can't remember, something like that. Anyway, it's a great, great book. And he talks about how like you can't have love without fear because if you didn't, if you only had love, you would have nothing to reflect it with. Right. It would just be love. It would just be all. It would just be everything. Right. So it's like um, the utopian model, right? Like, that never right, works right, out. Exactly. Yeah, I think it is Neil Donald Walsh. Um, yes, Neil, Neil Donald. But it's Walsh. a great book. It's a great book for anyone, and I think for writers too, because it is him just writing. And even if you don't believe in a higher power or you're not spiritual at all, it's just interesting because he just like was homeless and started writing like letters to God. And I just say God because it's an easier word than right. like the universe. Shorter, right? And um, he started writing letters to God, and then like God, quote unquote, started writing back. So honestly, it's just him free writing, asking questions, and just free writing back from God. Dang, it's really good. That sounds powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got a couple books I need to get. That and the yeah. artist's way. I need to, oh, you need to do the artist's I way. To, I feel like I've heard somebody else tell me that, and I need to. I need to do that. So twelve week program thing um, that just like unlocks you in many many ways. I'm always in need of being unlocked. I know. So am I. So am I. Yeah. I close up so quick. It's hard not to. Mm -hmm. And speaking of closing up, so when, when did you decide to go on social media? And really, mm. was it right when you self-published or was there a transition? I think I was doing it a little bit before I self-published. Okay. So my, my, my Instagram used to be just me. I used to work for a lingerie company and I used to just, it used to just be me in bras. <laughs> that was my Instagram for a really long time. So I had a transition. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I like deleted all of that and, um, just totally restarted and, um, got good feedback and it actually was a little inspiring to be able to self-publish after like getting good feedback from social media. So I was like, oh, you know, like people actually like don't think it's shit. So it was encouraging and like I haven't had a bad, well, uh, I haven't had like someone not liking my poetry as a bad experience. I have had like weird experiences. People like being with creepers? Men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. I was going to say, I bet you that, yeah. Yeah. I recently had an old <laughs> boss be like, read my book and he was like, any man who reads this will want to sleep with you and be with you. And I was like, what? Not the feedback I want to do. No. Not, not the literary Stop. feedback I want. <laughs> Boundary. Yeah. But <clears throat> I mean, that's the thing is it's like the other side of the coin. Sometimes it's almost that you fear success yeah. for your writing too, because it's like, then, then it's out there. It's exposed. People can ask you anything. People can say it means this. People can think it's about them, which yeah, you seem like yeah. you're also at a place where, yeah. not that you don't care, but that you're at peace kind of with right. putting it out there. Yeah. But I do think that that's probably for me as someone who's not there yet. That's a fear for me is that I'm like, someone's going to whatever. And know? I'm trying to think about what, how I got there, how I got, cause I really don't give a crap anymore about what I post. Like I just, I think it will, touch one person maybe and then I'm like okay that's enough that's an, right well and that's the thing is that you when on your page which I also love is that it's poetry and then it's also you doing things like mm -hmm. living your life playing mm -hmm. music being with family and friends mm -hmm. doing pursuing your passion and okay there was one on here this is something that really inspired me when I and we were talking about this again about saying that these things are okay to do when you're sober and you realize you can do these mm -hmm. things without a drink mm -hmm. but I love this because I feel like on social media, there's something so liberating when you see someone be a little bit of a kid 
you know, mm-hmm. and be silly or be vulnerable, even if it's if it's crying or laughing or being like somehow back to that rudimentary phase in life where you're playing. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> this is a poem on Kate's poetry page that like it cheered me up one day because I was like, oh man, I need to talk to my inner. My inner child is alive right now. Katie wants to dance. She wants to eat peas and pasta. She wants to have a tantrum for hours. It's not fair. And then cry herself to a luxurious post-drama nap only to be woken up by a hug of someone carrying her to somewhere comfortable, where she's wrapped up and swaddled and ready to wake up for the next day, full of headstands and cartwheels and heartbreak. I was like, ugh! Hmm. But I love that because... all the objectifying and whatever that happens in social media and guys being creepers and putting yourself out there and having to deal with there's something so refreshing about take like stripping it all away and just being like you know what makes you happy what makes you want to express Mm -hmm. and sometimes it just is that inner child that wants to play or wants to scream or wants to cry or wants to run or wants to eat peas and pasta and yeah that's one of the other things I love about poetry is that it's so simple Mm-hmm. It's like such a simple expression of vulnerability and love and joy because it's like, it's almost like the words that we're all thinking, like the things that we're all thinking, like everyone's thinking that about themselves to some right, degree in right. some way specifically right. for them. Right. And you know, for me, that's my grandma's white macaroni that nobody else makes. And everybody's yeah. like, what's white macaroni? I'm like, grandma. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, I love that because I think it balances us out too. We get thrown, so much shit gets thrown at us. It's negative and you process it and you try to keep going and you persevere and you keep going on. And that inner child, I think is sometimes what's peddling us the oh, only 100%. thing left pedaling. Like, I feel like I, my eight-year-old self sometimes is dragging my, yeah. my butt down the road. Yeah, like, come on, 100%. Girl. Yeah, I think, I mean, one of my favorite writing exercises, I've talked a lot about, like, writing that I do, but other than poetry, but one of my favorite writing exercises is I write um, with my dominant hand, like, I call my, my, my younger self Katie Wadey, because that's what my cousins call me, and so uh, it just, like, brings me back to childhood, so I, like, say, hi, Katie Wadey, like, what do you need today? And I write with my non-dominant hand, like, what I need as a kid. And so I'll be like, what? a hug, or I want to dance, or I want ice cream. Did or, you get this from anywhere? Did you Yeah, yeah, this? somebody told me at once. Say, That's freaking no, cool. No, someone told me at once. Yeah, it's one of my favorite exercises. I bet you've gotten kind of pretty good at writing with your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still really shit. <laughs> I can't write with my left hand. Yeah, see, I'm left-handed, and I feel like I'm especially bad because I have nerve damage in my right hand. Uh, so, like, I'm going to have to start trying that. Yeah, that actually should. might be a good exercise for my physical therapy. <laughs> Woo, two birds, one stone. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, I'm going to have you share, if you want to, I would love to have you share one more poem. If yeah. there's one that it can be from your Instagram, it can be from anything. I was anything. trying to find the ones on femininity, which oh, yeah. I'm so bad at saying that word, but it's you know. It's a hard one. It's like an see an enemy. Yeah. An enemy. But I don't know if I can find it. If I can't find it, I'll say something else. Oh, here's the, here, here's more nautical. Oh, yes. When we meet, will you wait to grab my flesh, explore uncharted territory, You have the map. You've had it for a while now. Have you poured over that map with your compass and red pen to mark the X's you'll dig up? Delicately, of course. Like you know that the treasure you're uncovering cannot be recovered, and what you take cannot be replaced. Oof. 
treasure cannot be recovered. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you should do, like, I could totally see you doing, like, an element. Like, yeah. Elements. Like, because mm-hmm. I love, I mean, I'm totally biased towards the ocean, but I also think that the ocean just, I love the relationship between the ocean and the earth. Like, I feel like it's, like, unrequited love, which is something that I've always wanted to, like, delve into, because yeah. the ocean just keeps trying to come back, but... At the same time, the ocean is, like, the most d- destructive element towards Earth. Right. Anyway, so basically all of my relationships. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I love to write about the ocean, too, and I'm trying to find where I have one. Oh, here it is. Really quick. Well, it's kind of about the ocean, but yes. Here we go. The Earth cries in waves and crashes as she remembers what we've done to her. She drowns her sorrows in us. Oh. It was just a quick little one about the ocean, but I used to talk to the ocean as a kid Dude. because I didn't have many friends, and I would go into the ocean, and I would um, talk to the ocean. It's my first experience with, like, higher power or whatever. It was, like, my thing that I would talk to. It's such, I mean, I mean, I'll get, this is a whole different subject, but I get real crazy about the ocean because, like, I believe the ocean is... You, I, I'm that nerd, like, if you look at my YouTube, my whole search history, like, my guilty pleasures, is all about, like, lost ships, the Devil's Sea, like, the Bermuda Triangle, like, and not in a way that's, like, spooky-ooky, but, like, I'm fascinated because the ocean, like, has a relationship with certain people. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, when I saw Moana, I cried through that whole movie because mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be Moana. Like, that's all <laughs> I've ever wanted was to have the ocean have, like, a special relationship with yeah. me. Um, but you hear stories about, you know, ships will get commandeered, they'll get overturned. And like, there was this one girl, her family got, their ship got capsized or something. She floated through the ocean for like four days before they found her. Wow. And she was like 10. But anytime, and her whole experience is just fascinating because she talks about how like sharks, it was weird because the ocean animals would like, it was weird. She was like, I don't know if I was hallucinating, but like whales would come around and like protect me. And like, there was never a moment where I ever felt like I was going to sink. Like, the wow. ocean just felt like it had her. And there's something about the elements, which I love, which, again, bring me back to child. It's, like, the childlike trust in the world that I love. But I don't know. I think the ocean is very special. So I encourage you to write a whole <laughs> slew of poems about the ocean. Yeah, I love the ocean, too. Yeah. Well, Kate, this has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, I'm sure we'll have you on again. Yeah. And I don't know what number it was in, in Dash Y, but I really want to think of a visualization for that. Because mm-hmm. that is palpable just hearing it I can already like see so much let's do it follow Kate Strauss poetry yep and buy Dash Y on Amazon and look out for her new stuff I'm sure we will be seeing much more from her soon follow her on social and we will be back with Poets Return with another very profound poet very soon This audio production is copyright 2019 by the Poets Return podcast, All Rights Reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this auto program is permitted without the written consent of Melissa Bowie. Poets Return, a poetry podcast where artists share their work and discuss their process and let you see the story behind the words. So tell me what we gonna make.